The reading today comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thanks, Eric. Good morning, Redemption Tucson. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, on this first Sunday of 2020 and this first uh, Sunday of the decade, uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, say Happy New Year to the person next to you. We're glad you're here. Sorry we couldn't be more hospitable with the heater being on. Uh, we're working on it. Uh, when, I, when I pray here in a minute, we'll, we'll pray that it, that it turns on just to uh, make, it, make it more comfortable for us. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and typically uh, I lead kind of uh, a variety of things from worship to, to DNA. So if you want to come to DNA and uh, get to know me a little better, I'll see you uh, next Sunday morning. Um, also, uh, I hope your new year was better than mine. Mine was spent getting over the, the flu, um, and who doesn't like to go on vacation and get sick, right? And so, uh, so to kind of prevent uh, you having to listen to me cough quite a bit this morning, I'm using the old uh, handheld so I can the sound, if you will. And so uh, this sermon, like last week, is going to be a standalone, and um, this one's been brewing in me for, for a while now, so I'm really excited. It's always a privilege to get to preach, but uh, this one I'm especially excited for. A little bit of context. Uh, about six weeks ago, I turned 30. Um, not, not 20. Uh, and contrary to what Dave would make you believe that I'm still in, like, junior high. Uh, why are you laughing? Um, but, I, I mean, it feels different. Um, Life feels, not to get too contemplative with this, but life feels shorter and more fragile and more fleeting, honestly, than I've ever experienced as I've been really reflecting the last month and a half, two months or so. And um, this week, again, marks the beginning of a new year and a new decade. And again, it just, it just feels different. This, this has been a really heavy season in my life of reflection and uh, evaluation and, and really resolution. And I'd imagine for you, to a varying degree, it's been the same. Um, this is a really interesting cultural moment we find ourselves in uh, this week. Uh, a new year. Resolutions are filling social media and, and hopefully filling uh, your journal. Um, blogs, articles on our favorite sites. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen all across the board uh, reflections of the top books, the top people, the top moments, the top music of the decade. And uh, I think God wants to use this particular moment that we're in, this first week of a new decade, to drive us to him. I don't want us to miss the moment. So what I really feel burdened with this morning is help us to look at this moment and use this moment to help us look at Jesus. So that's where we're going. Uh, this week we're going to be in quite a few passages, especially on the back end of the sermon. So there's going to be a couple people that are going to be walking down the aisle. If you need a Bible, uh, we'd love to get one to you. Just raise your hand. Um, if you uh, own a Bible and you just forgot it, um, just leave it on the desk and, or leave it at your seat and one of our hospitality volunteers will uh, we'll get, uh, get one of these for you. And then also, if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Um, please take it. Please read it. Please underline in it. Please uh, study it. Get some, get some friends together and, and, 
and dive into the scriptures together. Uh, and also, uh, if you see these, these the, the Kerwins, thank you for handing out Bibles. Uh, if you want to serve with the Kerwins, we need more people to serve on the hospitality team, ushering, greeting, welcoming folks. So uh, there's opportunities there. You can hand out Bibles like these kind folks. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, for the heater. I'm going to pray for me that uh, I, I don't want to just muscle my way through this and just get through it. I really want to we just saying, when I'm strong, I, uh, when I'm weak, I'm strong. And so I really want to rely on the Spirit. Uh, he is the one who's going to make this sermon helpful. So he's the one who wrote the Bible, uh, and he'll help us understand it. Amen? So let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Um, I do pray that the heater would turn on and just make our morning more comfortable. Um, thank you that this church is not built, though, around a heater being on. Um, Lord, you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. As we're in this unique cultural moment, would you uh, help us to see you? Would you use it to drive us closer to you? Lord, we love you. Um, yeah, be, be with me. Lord, uh, I pray that I wouldn't be feeling sick and coughing and just, just, yeah, I pray that you'd remove all those distractions. And uh, Spirit of God, would you uh, give me the tone, give me the words, and give us the ears to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. Um, would you, Jesus, be what is memorable in this place? Not a personality, not a song. Um, we give this time to you. We ask that you'd bless it in your name. Amen. So I want to start our time with a quote from a pastor in D.C. His name's Duke Kwan. He's great. And he says uh, this. The notion of the new year is itself pure grace. Interminable linearity, so endless linearity of time, would be an insufferable curse to fallen creatures such as us who are desperate for new beginnings. That 1-1-20 is some kind of day one is a gift. And I want to say we feel this deeply. I feel it deeply. I came across this quote actually from a year ago, and just it strikes me. But why? Nothing changed when we woke up Wednesday morning on the 1st, right? But yet we have this micro sense of renewal this micro sense of hope and even relief. Why do we long for new beginnings? Because we know we need one. This moment that we're in, it's aligning us with reality itself. And therefore, it is a grace from God. And yet, I don't know about you, but like I said, this has been a heavy season of reflection, and I think for all of us to some degree. But seasons of reflection are often filled with very mixed emotions for me. And I imagine for you to some degree as well. Thinking on 2019 or taking a step back and looking at the last decade, there is much to celebrate, but there's also much to mourn. Death and loss and pain and regret, they stand right next to joy and accomplishment and beauty and life. And cultural moments like these, these unique moments, this doesn't happen throughout the rest of the year. There's something about this time that we're in. We're forced to look at them both. Embrace the tension of both sides of this. For is this not life? Beauty and brokenness just smashed right up next to, to one another. This is not the world we live in. And again, I would argue this is an incredible grace for it's driving us again towards reality. Excuse me. And I think maybe the best book of the Bible we could read in a moment like this is the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. I've been just pouring over this book over the last probably two, three months, and it's just really ministered to me. And the author of Ecclesiastes, he's tormented with, with finding meaning and life and satisfaction in this fallen, beautiful, broken, good, fickle, enigmatic, fleeting world that God governs. 
and the author, he pursues wisdom and pleasure and power to find wholeness, but he can't seem to grasp it. It's like the wind. You have it, and then it's gone. Again, is this not life? As we read uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that God has put eternity into our hearts. God has put eternity into our hearts. And again, we, there's, this, there's this desire in us. And even if for a fleeting moment we feel like finally my soul is at rest, it's like the wind and it's gone. We can't find it. We can't grasp it. Ecclesiastes says that time marches on. We're here and then we're gone. Our life is but a vapor and a breath. And I, I think the older we get, the more we feel that. And death awaits us all, Ecclesiastes says. And yet we long for more. We long for wholeness. We long for things to be made right. We long for eternity. And we're, we're a long way from Ecclesiastes. We're a couple millennia away from Ecclesiastes. But our world is still groaning with this same tension. From U2's cry of, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, to the old Stone song, I can't get no satisfaction, right? To thousands of other songs and, and music and, and movies and moments, this tension's palpable. If you need some inspiration, go, go listen to a, a Bon Iver record. <laughs> or if you need some inspiration, go, go watch a Terrence Malick film. Maybe go watch the, the Tree of Life or something like that, and you'll, you'll find it. <laughs> you'll find this tension. Which I want to say, hipsters, you just got a Bon Iver reference. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I see you with your cartel coffee and your Bon Iver and your Terrence Malick. Dave, he'll give you Spike Lee and Public Enemy and, let's be honest, more like Chris Farley, right? But... Maybe some Joe Dirt. I'll give you Bon Iver. But in case you're just like, oh, okay, the worship pastor gets up here and we're going to have an art house uh, sermon this morning. Thanks, Stephen. Um, ESPN. I'm a, I'm a Seahawks fan. <laughs> okay, easy. <laughs> I, there's so much I want to say right now. <laughs> One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So we're going to keep moving. ESPN just put out, uh, in case you can, think this is like some art house thing. Uh, they just put out a beautiful short video recapping the last decade through sports. And it's full of this. It's full of this. This tension's everywhere. And what I want to say is this tension, this longing, this fleeting and short sense of life, it will drive us somewhere. The question is where? I think it can drive us to three things. One would be, uh, it'll drive us to God. It'll drive us to Him. It'll be a gift. And we'll find true life and meaning and peace, which is only found in Him. Or it'll drive us to things and people and places that will never and can never truly satisfy. Or I believe it will drive us to a deep sense of despair and depression and anxiety. This will drive us somewhere. And in a world where eternity is written on our hearts, and in a world where we long for renewal, and we long for new beginnings, it, a New Year holiday and New Year resolutions in this moment, it just makes sense. It makes sense that these things bubble up and there's an outlet for these things. And resolutions, I think, can be a gift. I'm not coming here to just bash on resolutions or anything like that. I, I think resolutions can actually expose where we're running. For under our resolutions lie the answer to the question, 
to some degree fundamentally where we believe that our flourishing can be found. What satisfies, what leads to the good life? Our resolutions can be like a map or a mirror into our soul that can tell us what we believe, what edits and additions to our life will lead to wholeness, to lead to true life and lead to freedom. Our resolutions actually can expose where we're running. So what I want to do is I want to poke the bear a little bit. I actually want to go down this road. I want to just sit in this cultural moment and press in. This hopefully will be somewhat fun as we uh, go down this road together, or at least we can take comfort, as Dave says, that we'll all be uncomfortable at least together. Um, If we really look at our resolutions and we actually take them to their full extent, they would reveal our dreams for a better life. But I want to say is this better life, this better you, this better world, it won't settle the eternity written in our hearts. So I want to run down the path so, and, and look at what our resolutions are pointing to and have a little fun with it, hopefully, as we go. So take a resolution like many of us, um, probably even myself included to some degree. Uh, we want to get fit, right? We want to get healthy. We're going to start that gym membership. Every gym's got some deal right now, uh, and they're banking on you stopping using it in March, but at least for right now, right, or, or something like that. And so what that resolution points to it's actually something I want to I not pick on the resolution. I actually want to drive deeper and say, it's not that we just want to go to the gym or be resolved to work out. We want to be a different person. <laughs> we want to be a fit person. And what I want to say is that the skinnier, the buffer, the six-pack cult of CrossFit or Peloton, right, which is a cult, let's be honest, right? Like, <laughs> the version of you that's got those muscles, The version of you that can fit in that dress. Yeah, that one. Right? Like the the ideal weight version of you, I turn in wow version of you. Wow version of you will not settle your soul. Come on. The, the, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue higher education, and I'm going to work hard this year, and I'm going to put in extra hours, which is really just driving to we want to be a different person. Who, who this other person is a couple promotions down the line, right? It's got a couple more degrees and frames on the wall. We want to have a couple more zeros in the bank account, right? This version, we, we want the version of us that's, that's got the, the, the title and the position and the respect and the influence and the power and the platform. But that version of you will not settle the eternity in your heart. We're going to achieve our dreams. This is the year I'm really going to pursue it. I'll say the dream achieving, goals accomplished, calling realized. You did it. It will not make you whole. Right? Let's just just keep going into this, right? These these, these resolutions, just take them to their full extent. The, The new home and the new development in Oro Valley with the right schools and the right park right around the corner. Right? Like, and the grass and the dog and the job with the good benefits. The good benefits, right? Like, with the new SUV, there's no minivan in this, in this version of you, right? With the, with the SUV. Yes. The you with all the toys. It won't be enough. Let's pick on somebody else. The Subaru driving. Patagonia wearing. Downtown living. Instagram, influence, you got the blue check and everything. Curated home, cultured, coffee, beer, traveling, 
version of you will not settle. You even go to Banff. That turquoise water and everything. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You right here know what I'm talking about. It will not settle the eternity in your heart. The, the finally kicked the bad habits. Your behavior modified. Your life is together. Hot mess, rear view mirror. Anxiety by crushing life version of you. I don't know what that looks like for you. Whatever it is. Fill in the blank. It will not satisfy. And just in case we're not uncomfortable yet, single folk in the room, being married or in a relationship will not heal you. Married folk in the room, being single or being with someone else will not set you free. Those without kids, a child won't fix the wounds of your childhood and it won't fix your problems. As, a kid, as somebody with a kid, I can tell you this is true. Those with kids, somebody preached this to me, well-behaved children won't validate you or fix your problems either. I know that one's hard to believe, but it's true. Let's, let's go to the religious version, right? I'm a pastor. The church going, you know, we got our resolution. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible in a year. We get to Leviticus. Talk to me, right? Here we go. The church going. You're rolling through those family devotionals. You're killing it. You're small group leading, prayer journaling, choir singing. You can sing now in this version of you. <laughs> the religious activity, killing it version of you, it will not save you. What am I doing here? Well, I'm having fun, but if your hope, if your life aim, if your identity is in a better life or in a better version of you, that's your functional God. And it won't save you. It won't deliver. These things aren't bad. Nothing I listed out is bad. But they can't fill the eternity written on our heart. No resolution, no dream can renew or restore us. And everything in this cultural moment is saying it can. That version of you, whatever version I live, one of them probably stuck out to you. One of them definitely sticks out to me. And, and it's telling you, this cultural moment we're in is telling you it will satisfy. It will satisfy the eternity written on your heart. Run after it. And what I feel like part of our job here as the church is to remind us of what is real and what is true. See, we need resolutions that don't seek to make us better, but make us better see Jesus. See, we're, we're prone to wander and forget these things. And it's key that we be reminded in seasons like this that a better version of you, the best version of you, whatever version I would have said that would have just really hit your heart, it'd be nice. We'd probably like you better. <laughs> Honestly, you'd like me better if the best version of me was up here, right? But it won't save you. Scripture says the problem with our lives is not our circumstances, but ourselves. So you can't be the solution to the problem if the problem is you. I can't be the solution to my problems if the problem's me. So here's the point. To meet the eternity in our heart, we need to encounter the eternal God. To experience flourishing, we must know the author of life. And to be whole, we don't need to be made better. We need to be made new. Amen? We tracking? So this, this, this new year, 
these resolutions, this cultural moment that we're in, this eternity on our heart, this longing for more, this moment that we find ourselves in, underneath it all, what I want to do is kind of not stay up here on the surface, but actually dive underneath and see what's driving this. And I would argue there are three deep, foundational, good desires for renewal underneath it all. Can we go to that next slide and, and look at all three of them? We long for three things. We long for a new life in a new way in a new world. So I want to just walk through each of these. Let's start with the first one. We long for a new life. So many of our dreams and resolutions, they come down to we want a new life. We want to be a different person. And on this theme, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that's where we're going to start. It shouts good news. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let's read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the what? The new has come. And notice the tense. Present. If anyone is in Christ, if you've surrendered to Jesus, you are a new creation. Your redemption, your restoration, your renewal is guaranteed and secure and real. It's as real as this freezing air you're breathing into. It's as real as those uncomfortable small seats you're sitting in that are made for very small junior hires. It is secure because it is in Christ. And it is secure because it's in Christ because Christ is alive. See, the death of Jesus, it marks the end of the old. And the resurrection of Jesus marks the beginning of the new. The old life of sin and death and addiction and evil and idolatry has passed away. And the new life of holiness and life and freedom and joy has come. Christian, today, you have access to this life. And you will taste it in full at Jesus' second coming. Now as we live between the comings of Jesus, it is already but not yet. We taste it. Again, that eternity on our heart, it's here, but then it's gone. But you are a new creation. Following Jesus, see, is such a monumental, new, radical, identity-shaping, life-orienting, all-encompassing reality that Jesus says we are born again. Press into that. You have new life in Jesus. I'm not a scientist, but here's the thing about being born. You can't manipulate that for yourself, right? Ashley, you're a nurse, right? You can't manipulate that for yourself, right? You cannot. Okay, thank you. Cite my source. Fact check. The guy in John 3 who Jesus says, like, you got to be born again to inherit eternal life. His name's Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is like... Jesus, you telling me I gotta get back in my mama's womb? That ain't happening. And I'm no scientist, but Nicodemus ain't wrong. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> we need someone else to deliver us. Pun intended. There's your dad joke for the morning. We need someone to save us. We need someone to give us new birth. We need someone to give us this. First Peter 1:3. It paints a really clear picture of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he, God, not me, not you, he has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Only through Jesus can we experience this new birth, this new life. See, Jesus offers something better than a better you. He offers eternal new life. Jesus offers something better than a better you. He offers you a completely new life. So one, we long for a new life. And two, we long for a new way. We don't just long for a new self. We long to live in a new way. We want to be different people who live according to a good way, with real power, towards a real purpose. Again, this is what Christianity is all about. We're just going to keep looking at Scripture together. Romans 6.4 says this, We were buried, therefore, with him by a baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life. There is a new way of life to be found, Christian. And in it, there is true freedom and joy. But this new life is not found in your own strength. It is not found in your own effort. It is not found in your own self-improvement plans. It is found in surrender to Christ and reliance on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing. (laughs) Listen, like, hear that. Hear what Jesus says there. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, even that. Whatever comes to mind. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't miss that. But also don't miss that Jesus sent his Holy Spirit as the helper to help us walk in this new way, to help us walk in the truth. Let's look at Romans 8, starting in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hold on. I think we can read verses, especially if you've grown up in the church or something like that, and you just just hear things and not remember the magnitude of what is being said. This is astounding. Do you hear what that's saying? Christian, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That same power dwells in you and is able to help you walk in newness of life. Not just at the end of history being resurrected from the dead, but also today living in that resurrection power according to a new way of life today. You have real power to kill real sin and to really live in a real new way. We have everything we need to live according to the good life. So we have the Spirit in us, and we have Jesus before us. We have the Scriptures to guide us. We have the Father's affirmation over us. We have everything we need. Let's keep reading that. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, not in your own strength, but by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. But you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, You receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This new life that Christ gives, gives a new identity to us as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. And this identity fuels us to live in a new way. Gives us a new spirit and a new heart to live according to new desires. We're never stuck. We're never helpless. We're never hopeless. 
So we have the Spirit of God. See, we're called not to live in slavery or fear, but as 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We long for this. Power, love, and self-control. We were made for this, and we have everything we need to live according to this. Christian, we have a new power dependent on the Spirit with eyes fixed on Jesus. For Jesus himself says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you want to walk in new life, if you want to walk in new way, if you want to walk in the truth, look to Jesus. If you feel stuck, if you feel lost, if you don't know where to go, Jesus is the way. If you feel confused, Jesus is the truth. If you feel discouraged, if you feel like life is too much, Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. He's the life. He's the truth, and the truth will set us free. Amen? See, this, uh, excuse me, this micro relief we feel at the new year. It points to a longing not just for a new life or a new way of life, a new power, but it also is revealing a longing for a new world. Is that not true, though? We long to live in a new world. Maybe, and we, we have the sense, the sense of relief with the new year, the sense of hope. Maybe 2020 will be different. Maybe this decade will be different. We have this hope for a new world where maybe the, the stench and the stain of sin can be wiped away, maybe just a little bit, a little bit more than it was before. And this desire is nothing to be scoffed at. It's nothing silly out of a fairy tale. This desire for a new world points to God's goal throughout all of history. God is on mission to restore his creation Jesus died to get back what is rightfully his, all of creation, for he is Lord of all. So I'm just going to read four scriptures. And, you know, just, we don't have time to unpack them, but I, just, I want us to have ears to hear this and to hear the good news of these foundational longings that we have that are actually met, that are actually promised. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. His purpose, God's purpose, will he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is the plan of God, to unite all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. To unite all things. And all things means all things. From art to architecture, from economics to engineering, from, from food to family, all things. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him, all, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself, what? All things. Which again, here also means all things. <laughs> Whether on earth or in heaven, there is no sacred secular. There's not like, oh, Jesus is after the church things like Bible studies and tithing, but all the rest of life, well, good luck. Jesus is Lord of all. All of life is all for Jesus. That's not just a t-shirt. It's a theological statement that Jesus is Lord. His kingdom's big. It encompasses heaven and earth. 
making peace by the blood of his cross. 2 Peter 3.13, but according to his promise, God's promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is not wishful thinking. This is promised by God that a new heaven and a new earth, a restored world is coming. In Revelation 21, this is where all of history is headed. This is the end of the story. This is guaranteed. Starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither should thou there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What good news. We long to live in this type of world. We long to live in a world without poverty and death and sin and trafficking and homelessness and anxiety and natural disasters and loss. We long to live in a world of peace and life and justice and harmony and flourishing and rest. We long to dwell with God. We long for this. We long in Tucson for for things like grass and cool breezes and trees and rain and water and shade. Like, this is the world God has waiting for us. A world of restoration. This longing we have of a new world is promised to come. We long to live in a restored and healed world. We don't long to live in some spiritual place that we do not know. And that's not the end of the story. We long to live in a restored world purged of sin and death. And because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, this world is coming. It's guaranteed. So we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We say, have your way, heal this place, make all things new. These longings for a new life, a new way, and a new world, they're only met in Jesus. The gospel says yes and amen to all of these fundamental longings. So as we're in this season, this unique cultural moment we're in, as it causes these desires to sprout in new ways, don't run from these desires. Don't stuff them down. Don't turn away from them. You were created for them. To suppress these desires is death. Death is not having a new life or not being a part of this new world or not living according to the new way of Jesus. I want to say, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, I pray you would today. And if you have, have hope. Look to Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than a new year. For he's offering true renewal versus mere resolutions. Jesus is better than a day one reset. 
chapter, he gives a new beginning. He gives new birth. He gives new life. And Jesus is better than any hope that 2020 could ever offer, for he is bringing the promised new creation. So in closing, church family, these longings for renewal, this eternity written on our heart, it tells us that these desires can be met somewhere. C.S. Lewis famously said, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, but there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. There's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We were made for another world. A restored, healed, eternal one with God, with God and his people. Eternity is written on our hearts, and we long for it, and nothing in this world can fully satisfy it, even if we catch it for a moment. Again, Ecclesiastes says it's here, and it's gone. Let this New Year season, this season ripe with reflection and longing, let us drive us to Jesus, for he alone gives eternal life. One day our faith will be made sight. One day the eternity written on our heart will meet the eternal king. And one day we will step into endless and infinite joy and blessing and we will dwell with God and the eternity in our heart will one day be satisfied. And we will be at rest. So church, my charge into 2020 is let us be faithful as we wait for that day, looking to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, keep us faithful. Eyes fixed on you. We believe, help our unbelief. We believe that you've given us new life, and yet sin still is right around the corner. Would you help us live in a new way according to the new life you've given us? We long for your new world. Would you use the eternity written in our heart, all the longings we feel? Would you use this not to drive us to despair, but to drive us to you? Holy Spirit, empower us to live in new ways. Empower us to have faith and hope. God, you are so good. Thank you that our faith in this life is not built around our faithfulness, but around yours. So help us to be faithful as we respond to your faithfulness. God, we need you. We are desperate for you. As we're about to sing, every hour we need you. There's not a moment that will go by in 2020 where we don't need you. Hold on to us as we hold on to you. We love you. We respond to you now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.